Okay, so this is the Last Call podcast with your intrepid host, Chris Michaels. I was fiddling around with Anchor because apparently you can do all sorts of wonderful editing techniques that uh, I have not been taking advantage of, including adding songs and adding little sounders and bumpers between segments. So after last night's one-hour, ten-minute marathon show, I am probably not going to do the same tonight. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. My voice is shot. My voice was shot uh, before I even did that show, and now it's uh, it's still recovering from that uh, monumental marathon of a show. Uh, so we're going to keep it brief, but I'm going to investigate. Uh, further the advantages that I have by using Anchor. And uh, I'm almost at my $15 advertising limit. So I can only advertise Anchor up to 15 bucks. And I think I earn a penny per play. So you can only imagine the vast amounts of plays I've been getting. <laughs> All 10 of you, at best, <laughs> on a rainy day if I'm offering free donuts. So, a couple of things, and we'll keep it brief. Uh, the first thing is I'm supposed to be doing a podcast next week uh, on my uh, my weekly show that's usually an hour called Resonance, and that's on uh, onthewakeupradio.com. And it's essentially a show that I can have call-in guests uh, w- with. I could do it with them. And I have not been really taking advantage of it because I talk about taboo things. You know, this is the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels, and we really have nothing that we don't talk about. Everything is on the table, and we're brutally honest about all this stuff. So this this isn't your mother's morning show, even though you listen to it at 11.11 p.m. every night, oddly enough. That's when I post all these podcasts. So next week... I'm supposed to be having two guests. I would, uh, you know, you. it's always a moving target when you've got guests. So I'm going to shoot for one, maybe two. One of them is an ardent Trump supporter. And she's moved to Florida. I've known her for about a couple of years. And she is all about Trump. She's got some great things to say, regardless of whether or not you're for, for Trump or against Trump. She still has things to say that is relevant when it comes to what it is to follow the rule of law. So we may be speaking to her next week, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get to post that here on Anchor. The problem is is that those episodes that I do that are an hour long, they're too big to upload on Anchor in one shot. So I have to figure out a way to either compress the file or cut the file so that I can have multiple uh, segments uh, that make up one episode. The second person that I'm going to be uh, bringing on, I met last summer, and he is a brilliant individual. I met him at an ashram all the way up in Maine. And uh, when I say all the way up in Maine, I mean really all the way up in fucking Maine. Uh, where the buses don't run, where the trains don't run, where the cell phones don't get service, where 
you can't see 15 feet in front of you during the daytime at high noon because of all the bugs that are out there. I mean, we're talking deep in the heart of Maine. Uh, but he and I got into some very, very uh, significant conversations about the secret space program and our uh, past life regressions, things like that. So I should be speaking to him either next week or the following week, and that is probably going to be a good episode because I've done past life regressions for myself, uh, and I can I can tell you amazing stories. Uh, I, I, the, the last regression I did was three and a half hours long, and I spoke for three and a half hours straight, um, and I brought up all sorts of topics. Uh, I've done another past life regression where I was around just after the last cataclysm, so about 10,000 years ago. I, well, no, 12,000 years ago. So if, it, if the last cataclysm, that we're talking about the biblical flood mythology, um, you know, that's supposed to have happened about 10,000 BC, so that's about 12,000 years ago. I was around for that in this past life regression. And uh, very, very interesting stuff. I kept referring to the moon as an eye. And the issue that I had, uh, the, the, the reason why I was very upset, crying and everything, um, is because before that calamity, before the flood, there was no moon. And then after that flood, there was a moon. And I kept referring to it as an eye because I would assume it was a full moon. And uh, there, so ultimately there is something with the moon and we've done past life regressions here. And so it's just interesting stuff. So anyway, the point is, is that we're going to be talking to him next week or the following week on this other show. And I'm going to attempt to upload that show onto Anchor and Spotify and the as the analytics like to call it other sources for your podcast. I don't know what the other sources are for the podcasts, uh, but whatever it is, you guys are listening to it. And it's not Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Anchor. Uh, so whatever that is keep listening to it. So tonight, tonight, the five-minute intro that already, I only wanted to do a a six-and-a-half-minute intro. I only wanted to do 10 minutes of podcasting, but uh, here we are already. I'm just just flapping my gums here at the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. So we have to talk about, as always, Rand Paul. So this comes from his father's website, Ron Paul, uh, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. So I'll, I'll spill the beans on this. Ron Paul, in my gilded youth, was the only political candidate that I've ever donated money to in all of my life. And it was only 50 bucks, and it was because I lost a bet. So that's it. I've never donated to any other political candidate, uh, and it's only been Ron Paul. So he wrote about how Texas basically demolished the COVID pandemic. And uh, he brings up all sorts of things, such as no evidence that after they opened up uh, Texas and Dr. Fauci was saying things like, this is, uh, I'm not sure what he's doing in there. Why is he doing that to Texas? President Biden, uh, President, uh, well, de facto President Biden, is saying was saying things like this is Neanderthal thinking, uh, but Reason Magazine came out 
and said, quote-unquote, no evidence that the reopening of Texas affected the rate of new COVID-19 cases in the five-week period following the reopening. State-level COVID-19 mortality rates were unaffected by the March 10th reopening. Oh boy, isn't that something? This is from Dr. Uh, this is exactly counter to every single Democrat, globalist, elitist, never Trumper, rhino, Republican in name only, that's what rhino means, uh, ever has said. Texas opens up, Florida opens up, South Dakota never closed, and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. So Mr. Paul uh, writes the following. First, will anyone be held responsible for the thousands who died because of the prohibition on safe treatments such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that have since been shown to be effective against COVID-19? Very good question. Because as we found out, thanks to Project Veritas, Facebook has been, and which owns Instagram, which owns WhatsApp, which owns every, you know, all the other uh, social media sites. They have been essentially shadow banning comments that involve the promotion of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. They've also been shadow banning comments that involve vaccine hesitancy so uh maybe we don't really need the vaccine maybe all we need is zinc and vitamin c and noon midday sun for about 20 to 45 minutes to boost our immune systems facebook has been making sure comments like that are removed from everybody's feed so if i post something along those lines any one of my friends, any one of my followers will not see that comment unless they purposefully seek out my profile and click on my news feed. That way they can see what I've posted, but otherwise it will not come up in the scroll. So we need to start holding people accountable to those actions. Second, though Governor Abbott of Texas deserves credit for taking the bold step, of opening up the state. Shouldn't he be held accountable for closing the state in the first place? Yes, absolutely, 100% yes. Governor Abbott, I would not trust so far as I could throw him. So he looks like a big guy. I probably can't throw him very far. Maybe a stiff shove, and that shove probably wouldn't even knock him off of his feet. But Governor Abbott should not be trusted. He is going the way the wind blows. He locked down the state. He's allowing protests to happen in his state. He's allowing his state to be taken over bit by bit, county by county, city by city, by these leftist insurgents that are funded by globalists like Klaus Schwab and George Soros. But Abbott is trying to ensure that he maintains his political seat and the cash cow that he calls his public office. That's what he's trying to do. So he's opening up all of this stuff. He's trying to look like a hero when we all know he's a quizzling. 
We all know that he would stab everybody in the back as soon as he could if he were to get more money from that direction than the direction that he's headed. Third, thanks to Senator Rand Paul, his son, we are all now well aware of Dr. Fauci's role in funding gain-of-function research on viruses in China. Basically, what is going to happen to Dr. Fauci? Some people are saying that Dr. Fauci is going to be canceled out and removed from the public eye within 90 days. And rightfully so. Dr. Fauci, gosh, has done more to cause confusion to cause discord, to... But what he does is, and I've explained this before, he speaks in gray tones. He speaks in ways that anybody, left or right, can interpret what he says as in any direction they want to make sure that the agenda is fulfilled so that they can say, well, Dr. Fauci said it, right? But that's exactly what they want, Dr. Fauci purposefully speaks in gray tones so that people aligned with Dr. Fauci, like Governor Whitmer, Governor Newsom, you know, Michigan, Governor uh, Newsom from California, Andrew Cuomo from New York, uh, so that they can do whatever draconian nonsense they want to do and say, well, you know, Dr. Fauci said so. Well, Dr. Fauci is in a lot of hot water because we're finally coming to the conclusion that something happened in Wuhan and it was because of Dr. Fauci. You want to know something else that's absolutely reprehensible and just horrific, horrific, and it's all because of Dr. Fauci? Dr. Fauci okayed. Now, this is disgusting. This is this is morose and this is morbid, okay? So uh, put your hands over your ears for the next couple of minutes if you don't want to hear this. Dr. Fauci, I'll give you a countdown. Three, two, one. Dr. Fauci was responsible for approving the study of skulls being grafted onto mice to determine how they continue to grow under certain conditions. Let me say that again. He took skulls, right? So bone. He also took the skin attached to the skull. So you have the skull, you've got the muscle, you've got the hair follicles, everything else, and grafted them onto mice. So you took bits of the skull and surgically implanted them onto mice to see how they would grow, how they would continue to grow, to see how the cells function when you have interspecies grafting going on. You're creating a chimera and from, from mythology. So, you know, the uh, like, like a Lamassu, like half human, half bull kind of nonsense. Uh, and also, what happens when you inject certain, blo- uh, certain uh, drugs bloodlines or whatever into these mice and how does it affect the human cells that have been grafted onto these mice now what's disgusting and morose and macabre about this is the skulls and where they've come from so it's not a whole skull you're not going to find a whole human skull grafted onto a mouse right you found a little little pit little little bit piece of the cranium, piece of the skull, you know, maybe a couple of inches, maybe just an inch square, uh, and they put it onto the mouse, right? And they kept the skin, they kept the muscle, they kept kept the hair follicles. 
What is absolutely morose and macabre about that whole thing is that Dr. Fauci used the skulls of abortions or from children that were aborted. Now, what they didn't tell you about this and what we're finding out happened, thanks to Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, is that these skulls were from aborted fetuses that were at least five months old. We're talking way down the line here. And in order to make sure that those cells are still alive and kicking, these kids, these five-month-old, well, I wouldn't say five-month-old, but these children that were aborted at five months, more than likely were still alive at some point. And these doctors removed that skin, that skull fragment, or whatever was developed at that point. Maybe it wasn't actual bone, but you get the idea. And grafted those items, grafted those bits onto mice. This person, Dr. Fauci, America's doctor, where all of these leftist deranged cultists sing him praises. Oh, I'm going to get the Fauci ouchie so I can have my vaccine and live life like normal and shed all over the rest of humanity. That's your doctor? That's your idol? Somebody that has no qualms about taking skull fragments from aborted fetuses that were more than likely alive and subsequently chopped up and killed while living to be used in science experiments? This is your hero? This is the person, the hook-nosed, four-eyed little dork in a trench coat that is trying to take, make you take experimental gene therapy platforms with no long-term research where the trial period ends in 2023, that's your hero. Am I understanding you? That's your fucking hero. So that's one of the many reasons why I don't like Dr. Fauci. Continuing up, wow, that got serious real quick. <laughs> Continuing on. With Rand Paul, Rand Paul's wife, Kelly Paul, spelled E-Y, uh, she, whoa boy, she was pissed. Apparently, Rand Paul, for speaking out against Dr. Fauci, is now subject to the ire of the biopharmaceutical industry. And so these people basically have unlimited resources and they can do whatever they want to whomever they want. All you have to do is look at some of the African leaders that said, no, we're not going to take this vaccine. We're going to use natural uh, supplements here to beat whatever COVID may be. And they're all dead. Uh, so that's the kind of people you're dealing with in the biopharmaceutical industry. And so Rand Paul was sent suspicious white powder to his home, not his office, his home. And Kelly Paul was fit to be tied. She tweeted, Rand was assaulted in a blindside attack. So Rand Paul was attacked a couple of years ago. Uh, six broken ribs, lung damage, and the media calls it a dispute. No, that's not a dispute. When somebody shoots you, when somebody tries to, to, to shoot you and kill you, 
That's a little bit more than a dispute. But the left-wing media, scum like uh, Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes, which, by the way, you, I, 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 I beg you to give me to tell me the difference, the physical difference between Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes beyond glasses. Please do that for me. Rand and I, according to Kelly's tweet, held hostage for nine minutes by a mob spitting on and threatening to kill us. And the media says we were yelled at. Rand calmly questioned government authorities. And the media says Rand attacks Fauci. Just this weekend, for years, people like Bette Midler, slob, like I've said, have cheered Rand's horrific attack and serious injuries. The former teacher of the year, Rod Robinson RVA, her Twitter handle, tweeted that Rand's attacker was a hero and urged Mitch McConnell, a coward Mitch McConnell, uh, neighbors to step up. Why is he still teaching? I am sick of the hatred and the vitriol from people who boast of their empathy and compassion in their bios. Rand will continue to stand up for our constitutionally protected liberties. He will keep questioning the experts, quote unquote. We won't be intimidated. And yes, we have guns. So more threats coming down to Dr. Fauci, uh, not Dr. Fauci, probably from Dr. Fauci, onto Rand Paul. This is not the same thing that we've been seeing for the past couple of years. Rand Paul has been calling out Dr. Fauci and disrupting the narrative. Rand Paul actually, and it, for what it's worth, I was, I was uh, ribbing Rand Paul. For a long time, because Rand Paul would always come out against the masks, but never say anything about the vaccines. And Rand Paul said, I've already had COVID-19. I already have the antibodies. I will not be getting any sort of vaccine against COVID. Good for Rand Paul. You shut me up. You called me out on my criticism. And you stepped up to the plate. Do you know who else stepped up to the plate? And this was one of the last people I would have expected to step up to the plate on this one. And now I can't think of her name. <laughs> uh, she was on with Dr. Oz. Oh, what is her name? Uh, Dr. Oz. Let's see. Let's see if we can do a quick. Uh, oh, yes, that's her name. Uh, uh, oh, shoot. There we go. So Dr. Oz had on Vanessa Williams. And Vanessa Williams came out there and dropped a truth bomb on Dr. Oz. And she said, guess what? I'm not getting the vaccine. I've never had a flu shot. I've never had the flu. When I get sick, when I get a headache, I don't even take Tylenol. So do you really expect me to take an experimental inoculation? Absolutely not. And Dr. Oz was silent. He didn't even know what to say after that. And he tried to guilt trip Vanessa Williams by saying, oh, well, you know, you, what, what happens when tens of millions of people who follow you say, well, she's not getting the vaccine. Why should I? And she said, I, I, basically, I don't care. Guess what? I don't care what they have to think about that because I'm doing what's right for me and I am going to be in charge of my own health. So good 
for Vanessa Williams. And finally, I didn't want to make this long. I'm already 20 minutes in, so I'm desperately trying to bail out on this. Um, so here we go. There was something that came out not so long ago. And it has to do with a Lancet peer-reviewed study talking about the efficacy of all of these inoculations. So basically what all of these pharmaceutical companies did and backed up by basically the World Health Organization, the CDC, the FDA, is they played with numbers just like they've been playing with numbers throughout this COVID quote-unquote pandemic. What they did to reference that 95% efficacy number. Now, efficacy is a fun little term. Basically, what that means is efficacy. If you look it up, when a certain thing has a certain percentage of efficacy, it means that that percentage is a desired result. So we set out to create and to stop the spread of COVID. So the efficacy of this vaccine is 95%. So 95% of the time, this vaccine works, right? It stops the spread of COVID or it immunizes you against COVID. Now, what they didn't tell you was that there are multiple levels of statistics that involve efficacy. One level is called, and this is what they referenced, is the relative risk reduction, RRR. And so what relative risk reduction means is that essentially, if somebody is in the category where they suspect they may have, or they being a doctor or a hospital, suspects that an individual would be succumb to or experience a lot of troubles with COVID, these vaccines will work 95% of the time with that person that is susceptible to the, uh, the, the symptoms of COVID, okay? So let's take this, let's take this one step further. You know, we, we have a lot of people, overweight people are more susceptible to COVID, uh, people with, with three or four pre-existing conditions, more susceptible to COVID. So those kinds of people would fall into the relative risk reduction category. Now, there's another category, okay? And, oh, by the way, the relative risk reduction category is where they generated the 95% efficacy number for their inoculations, Okay. There's another number, and this number is far more relevant. It's called the absolute risk reduction, ARR. Now, absolute risk reduction factors in all of a population, whether or not this person would be susceptible to something. So in this case, whether or not somebody has three or four pre-existing conditions, whether or not somebody has uh, a weight problem, this factors in the people that have no chance of getting COVID. So the population as a whole, okay? So let's take this one step further. 300 million people, 1% of those people of that population would fall into the relative risk reduction. You got 3 million people, 
out of 300 million people would fall into the relative risk reduction. Out of that 3 million people, the vaccine would work 95% of the time. Now, for the absolute risk reduction, we have to talk about all 300 million people, not just the 1%, not just the 3 million people. And when we're talking about the absolute risk reduction, we find out that the efficacy of these vaccines are astronomically lower. So the effectiveness. So when we inoculate somebody with this stuff, it does what we want it to do. It does what we intended for it to do. So if we're to take the numbers, okay, so we're not talking about 3 million anymore. We're talking about 300 million, the total population, not just the relative risk reduction population. AstraZeneca has an efficacy of 1.3%. Moderna has an efficacy of 1.2%. Johnson & Johnson has an efficacy of 1.2%. And Pfizer has an efficacy of 0.84%. So that means out of 300 million people, if you were to inoculate all 300 million people, or I shouldn't say that because you have to, well, yeah, 300 million people. The AstraZeneca inoculation would only do what it's supposed to do 1.3% of the time, not 95% of the time like it was marketed to you. The Moderna vaccine, the Moderna inoculation would only do what it was supposed to do 1.2% of the time. Johnson & Johnson, same thing, 1.2% of the time. And the Pfizer vaccine would only do what it is supposed to do 0.84% of the time. So 0.84% of the population would have vaccine efficacy out of 300 million people. They hoodwinked you. They hoodwinked everybody. They went on a PR campaign. They went on a marketing campaign to get as many people inoculated with this stuff as possible. And they played with the numbers. They played with the numbers. They didn't tell you that the 95% efficacy number comes from a, a survey of people that are really, really, uh, that could really, really be subjected to COVID-19. The real number, based on the whole population, is less than 1.3% of the time. And being that you're talking about absolute risk reduction... Those numbers, the 1.3 from AstraZeneca, 1.2 from Moderna and Johnson & Johnson, that absolute risk reduction number also includes the population that is subject to the relative risk reduction. Basically, what they're doing is that they are double dipping. Because people that are subject to COVID-19 make up probably less than 3%, less than 2%. I would even venture less than 1% of the population as a whole. They hoodwinked you. They played games. And then they're wondering, why the vaccine hesitancy? I just told you why. 
So if you're listening to this program, I should say show, it's not a program. You're already a critical thinker. You already think outside of the box because you listen to me. I think way outside of the box. This just gives you, this kind of information just gives you more reassurance that you're probably onto something. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you're probably onto something with your hesitation. You're probably thinking along the same lines that I'm thinking, which probably is the right way to think. Whenever they are telling you what to do or they are telling you how to think, generally you should go in a 180 degree direction and you'll probably find something closer to the truth, if not the truth itself. So I'm going to leave it there. This is the last call with Chris Michaels. I will be back again tomorrow, as we always do, every single week, four podcasts, at least per week. And if you are feeling extremely generous and like a lovable fuzzball, just as your intrepid host is, feel free to share me with your friends on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Anchor, and as the analyst, analytics likes to call it, the other podcast platforms. This is Chris Michaels, and you have been listening to Last Call with Chris Michaels.